0: Welcome back to another episode of the Huxley Morton podcast, the show where each week we speak to pharma company owners and industry leaders sharing their stories of personal and professional growth. As always, I'm on with my co-host Adam Walker, and this week we are joined by Jeff Harmon, CEO at Brilliance Within. Jeff, Adam,
1: welcome to the show. Thanks, it's really wonderful to be with you guys. Yeah, Jeff, you reporter. almost forgot
0: that you were on a podcast, then, didn't you? You were nod, nodding away, and I was thinking, it's, it's, it's. I, I know we do go out on YouTube, but it's also audio. <laughs> um,
1: yeah, yeah cool. we're well, excited to be here.
0: Fantastic stuff. Well, look, um Jeff, I've given you a very short intro there and uh, mentioned uh, the company name, but like, if you could give us kind of a bit of an overview of Brilliance Within and what role you play in the
1: life sciences space yeah so i've been doing doing this uh i'm in my 11th year so really blessed uh and i'm sure we'll talk a little bit about my journey Mm -hmm. Um, but over the course of the last um the the last 11 years uh, really have fallen in love with working with life science companies um, and our, our mission is to help those companies create high performing organizations so that they can meet the expectations of them for exponential growth. Mm-hmm. So all the companies we work with have uh, high demands by lots of stakeholders to grow exponentially over the next three to five years. Mm-hmm. And so we we help them do that. And our accelerator what we believe in is that culture and leadership is the accelerator for that type of exponential growth mm-hmm. and and we 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 help these CEOs and their teams get get really clear on and intentional about the culture and how they lead so mm-hmm. that's that's what we do we have a we have a small team and uh, we yeah we, we really love working with with people who are also passionate about what they do.
0: Cool. So there's quite a big, big focus. And I know when you and I have spoken previously on high performance, uh, which I know those words probably pique uh, the interest of Adam because his other podcast, aside from this one, of course, is the high performance podcast that we have here in the UK. And it is all about high performance, isn't it, Adam?
2: Absolutely. I mean, I think it was one of my earliest favorite podcasts for exactly the reasons that probably you're touching on, Jeff, with regards to you know getting the best both from individuals, but also from collective indivi- a collective group of individuals across a high-performing team, whether that be in one location or across many. And in many yeah. of the organizations that I currently support, that is the secret sauce, isn't it? It's how to get the best from people. In disparate locations, particularly, you know, on the back of a pandemic where many people are not traveling and not physically in the same offices anymore. Yeah. It's getting the best from them, isn't it? And and that's what I'd love to hear more about uh, from your from your background as well and, and how you make that happen. Because I think I understand the principles, but I'd love to hear what what makes it what makes it for you guys.
0: Yeah. And I guess look to kick us off there, Jeff, before you get too much into the day-to-day job. Look, give us a bit of a, a kind of a, a biography a rewind as to how you got into the industry, first and foremost, and your your background that led you to this point. And because I'm sure that once we start talking high performance, Adam and I won't get off the subject, and we'll, we'll, we'll run out of time.
1: Yeah. Um, so I was born in 1974 in Buffalo. Oh, no, I won't. I won't do that. Too.
2: That's a great year, by the way. I love I love 74. My favorite um, year, too. So.
1: You know, my my first act in professional life was I was in project management, all in uh, IT, um, in financial services organizations, and I, I call it my quarter life crisis around 2006. Mm-hmm. And I just I was hungry for for more and wanted to make people the focus of my next act of my professional life. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't exactly sure how that would happen, but long long story short, I landed in coaching and convinced my company to pay for all my training, uh, letting them convincing them that it was gonna make me a better leader. and and they did, and I did that in parallel um, and and started what I would call a very hobby like business. Mm-hmm. had a large response lot of responsibility, but my business was very hobby like. Um, fortunately, in two thousand and eleven, it didn't feel like it at the fortunate at the moment, but I got laid off. Uh, there was a restructure and, and I had formed the business, this hobby like business. And I said, OK, I'm going to use my severance and the bonus that came along with that severance and, and fund the first couple of years of my business. And there we go. That was in 2011. Mm-hmm. And truth be told, early on, it, it was not industry specific. Um, If you could breathe and speak, I would coach you. Um, And 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 even then it was a struggle. Uh, Being an entrepreneur is is not easy and not having entrepreneurial training or sales background. It was challenging.
0: But what was the most difficult bit in those those early days, Jeff? Because I've often yeah, I wasn't I wasn't prepared for it when I started out you know, I had been the top performer at my sort of former company and thought I'd just breeze through it and it'd be, yeah, nothing to it. I then realized I needed to wear about 10 more hats than what I thought. And it was very different. So talk us, talk us about your experience of of that, those early days.
1: Yeah. So I mentioned, I had no sales experience and as an entrepreneur, (laughs) you had to sell, Mm -hmm. you had to enroll people in what you're doing. So that's a huge black, but that was a huge black box. And I would say under the surface of it all is, is just a lot of fear. Like would this work, would I be able to do it? And I'm really grateful. I have, I had some really strong mentors that surrounded me and supported me in that area. But I would say those are the, the two big, let's call it the two big rocks in those early years um, that really, Unexpectedly, were were challenging. Mm-hmm. Who were the
0: mentors you looked up to? Out of interest, was there anyone sort of in particular? Were they kind of famous mentors, or were no, they people close well, to are, close, close to home?
1: I would say the the one mentor um, no one would know. Uh, his name is Dom Dominic, and he is about twenty years older than me. And just through mutual connections, we got connected. And he walked with me then and he walks with me still today through this journey and um, was just massively helpful. And also along the way, I I believe, as a coach of others, that is incumbent upon me to have a coach. So I have paid for coaching from the very beginning. There's been short gaps Mm -hmm. where I haven't had a coach. But um, so between um, Dom and uh, another gentleman named Rich and the coaches that I hired, um, this community of support really is what allowed me to be successful.
0: Nice. And so at what point, so you mentioned that in the early days, it was kind of, if you had two eyes and nose and you could breathe, you would take someone on as a client. Um, and yeah. I mean, how, I mean, first of all, I'm, I'm, I'm going to ask like kind of where the, the life science focus then come from, but look, how, how did that go with kind of coaching anyone? Cause you've surely had to be very diverse with that. That's, you know, I'm all for, for, for focus. So talk us through, yeah, how that went and then where the, the move into the life science space came
1: about. So I don't get into the weeds of the business. As I said early on, you know, I'm not getting into the details of the strategy. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I had a, a marketing uh, executives, dentists, um entrepreneurs who had a dream of a had a dream of a business and nothing at that point so my what, what my focus always is is to draw the best out of the individual even today now my context has gotten a lot more specific over the last 3 to 5 years but it's still my focus is to really l- support, whether that's individual or the team, to support them because they're the technical experts. They're not coming to me for technical expertise in their particular industry, Mm -hmm. but to be able to really support them, to bring out their best and lead with clarity and lead with vision or work if they're not a a leader, uh, to work with clarity and vision and purpose and, and courage. I don't talk about confidence. I talk about courage. So that, that belief, even early on as I was getting to really understand, well, what does it mean to be a coach? And those ideals and those principles were getting formed. Mm. Those are the, some of the same principles that, that, that guide me as a coach. And even when I'm asked to be more directive as a consultant, they, those principles still drive me and are foundational today. The, the, the shift into life science does go back to those early days. So here in Northern New Jersey, USA, a lot of life science. And my natural network in those early days was a, a large number of life science, life science leaders. Mm-hmm. I went to church with the CEO of uh, a generic, generic pharmaceutical uh, company. And so he was a friend and he gave me some advice and eventually he became a client. His organization became a client, so I didn't enter into life science with some big strategic vision. Oh, I want to be in life science mm. um, because of that sort of accidental way of approaching business at the beginning. Life science clients came my way, and and over the over the decade, really became um, just passionate about uh, what they do and the passion that they have often for the the patients that they're that they're serving so I hope that answers the question that's kind of a it
0: does and before (laughs) I forget it there's definitely a, a question that's on the tip of my tongue and I didn't want to interrupt you at all but speaking of life science leaders and what you mentioned about a couple of minutes ago where you said you refer to it as courage not confidence now on this podcast we have often interviewed some fairly high-ranking, high-level life science executives, and often kind of, you know, I've had to pitch them, if you will, uh, do a bit of a sales pitch on them to to get them onto the show and put their mind at rest. And I certainly wouldn't class all of them as these big, extroverted, confident people, but because of what they're doing and their mission-driven values, they've certainly got that courage. So I'm just wondering if that has anything to do with why you say courage over confidence
1: or is there anything else Uh, yeah we could talk a lot but i'll say it really simply about this distinction Uh, confidence is a result Mm -hmm. the only requirement is courage and 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 i'll say it simply simply as that is when when a client talks to me about needing confidence I give them this distinction right away. I said, that's cool. But just understand confidence is an outcome. It's a result of being able to execute, achieve, accomplish. That's, you'll get confident, confidence as a result. The only requirement right now is courage and commitment, I should say, but is, is courage. And, and that's what I try to, I work with clients to cultivate is cultivate courage. Um, and, and so we talk a lot about fear and what's holding them back from being courageous.
2: Um, but don't wait for the confidence, just, just cultivate courage. What does courage mean to you, Jeff? Because you, you talk about it and, and I think we can all take something from that. But actually, I'd love to hear what it means to you, because to me, courage means taking chances, getting out of your comfort zone, doing something that's going to challenge you. I'd love to hear what your perspective is on that. Yeah, so I, it's a great question, Adam. For me, it's, it's about
1: seeing the fear and not eliminating the fear, but seeing the fear, mostly from within, but seeing the fear and then saying, okay, I'm gonna move through that anyway. Um, and you know, I can think of a personal experience where I was gonna go whitewater rafting and I'm not an adventurous sort in that regard, but I was terrified. But I said, I, I'm, I'm going rafting. I'm going rafting. I remember in 1993 being terrified of roller coasters and being with a group of friends. And I was just gonna be the guy that held all the bags because Jeff didn't go on roller coasters, but I, I was there, I felt the fear. And I said, that's not gonna be me. I'm not gonna be the guy holding the bags for the rest of the day. I mean, those are very simple life experience e- examples of courage, but the same applies for me. Uh, for me today, right now, I'm in the process of beginning the process of writing my next book. I have zero confidence. I'll admit, I have very little confidence in writing the t- style of book that I have in mind right now. So, what was required of me is to generate, with the support of others, the courage to say, Let's go. It feels like this is going to suck. Like, I'm going to suck, that I won't be able to do this, but I'm going to do it anyway. So that, to me, those are just a few examples, Adam, of of what courage means to me. I guess just drawing on that, Jeff, I'm assuming
0: then that that is all behind the brand and the business name, right? Because the business name is is Brilliance Within coaching and you've just kind of explained that in your overview of of courage right
1: yeah yeah and and I know there's a writer in me Mm -hmm. and that's why I hired a a writing coach is to draw that out actually right after we're we're talking today I have a meeting with my my book coach because I know I while I have limited confidence let's say that limited confidence I know that there's a book in me there's the brilliance of this particular book. Mm-hmm. And, and I need the support because I can't always rely on myself because under myself, I may back back off. I may step aside. I may say, oh, no, that's not me. But with the support of others like this coach and a few others that I've surrounded myself with, they are going to draw out that
2: brilliance, the, mm-hmm. the brilliance of the book that's in me. You're very understated, Jeff. You're very understated. I, I get that loud and clear. But at the same time, I've also heard that many people have a book in them. My, my wife's actually writing a book of her own experiences. And, and it's really interesting because as you're describing it, you know that you have a voice and you know that you have a story, but it's putting it down into those correct words and in that order that's going to make sense to an audience or a reader when they read it, isn't it? That, yes. That, that's the, the key point. That's where the imposter syndrome comes because you don't, we don't all come with like, capabilities to, we think, to become authors.
1: Yes, absolutely.
2: Unless you have an English degree or something, you know, some kind of very formal uh, education around that, it, it's not something that people lend themselves to immediately, is it? Yeah, absolutely. Well, well said, Adam.
0: And I think the other thing there is it's, it's very clear that you practice what you preach, uh, Jeff. You know, the fact that you surround yourself with various other coaches to help you in different aspects of, of your life um so in terms of the the business look you've kind of given us a quick overview as to how it started how you almost fell into um the life science space which is like most of our guests in terms of how they've gotten into clinical research and life sciences themselves anyway um but I guess talk us through some of the the challenges along the way and then give us an an overview of, of how things look now kind of um 2022 how things have have gone because look the life science space exploded um as a result of of covid and no doubt there was probably more people in need of coaching than ever um during this time so talk us through some of the 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 challenges but also the opportunities that present in and wrap it up with a, a quick summary of how things are looking
1: yeah so what i'll say first is I am a patient. So I have a degenerative neurological disease that has me in a wheelchair. So mm-hmm. I live life in a wheelchair. So while not every life science company out there in the world is working on my particular disease, there there is, there is some. But I connect over the past seven years, eight years, I was diagnosed in 2006. Um, but really, this became real in my life over the last, over the last eight years is that um, I am passionate and that's why I really look for that passion in the work that the companies that I, that I serve really look for the passion and the purpose that they have in serving their, uh, the, the, at the end of the day, the, the, the patient. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was that's one of the drivers that I have in in doing this work in in this particular space, mm-hmm. and and so as you you know as as we look at the the type of companies that 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 I want to work with that I do work with is that they are values and mission driven, and that the CEO starting there she or he has. Strong vision of what they're up to, and and they have a vision for the culture that they want to create. That's going to drive this this what they want to what they want to do in the world, mm-hmm. the value that that they that they want to bring. I'm not interested, to be honest, of, to trying to convince a leader that culture and values and leadership is important. I'm really not interested in doing that. There are there are consultants that have deep dive conversations with people to convince them, but I'm just not interested in that. I wanna partner with somebody who has a strong vision to be values and mission and purpose driven, and then partner with them to be able to then execute on that. And sometimes it's supporting them as an individual to make this real and to make it happen Um, for them to be their ultimate best in leading this organization. Sometimes it's for their leadership team. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I get the privilege to work with the entire organization. But, but all of, at the end of the day is, I wanna support every one of those people to be their ultimate best, and then bring their ultimate best to the, to the purpose and mission that, that they have in front of them for their organization. So I'll stop there before we talk I, about... I was just about to say, so look, with, with that,
0: it sounds like it encompasses quite a, a broad range of how you're helping these organizations. But you're ultimately, you're looking for those that, that want to do the right thing have the courage to do the right thing. And then you're going to coach them along the way rather than trying to drag people kicking and screaming, which nobody wants to do. So you're a lot more selective about what you do now. And I'm sure that you are probably a lot more stress-free because of that. Um, what are the... I guess the biggest areas that come up that you help people with. Um, so these life science leaders, you know, in terms of helping them with growth, you know, what would be kind of your biggest achievements or success success stories? I mean, you don't need to mention any particular client names, but if you can yeah. kind of share some of the stories where you can talk us through a scenario, that would be useful to understand.
1: Yeah. So I'll give you one example. A CEO was only in the job for about a year when we met, Um, was very small, but had been acquired by private equity and was tasked with exponential growth. So three to five X the business and to take the business global. And he had a vision for the culture, but as you guys know, if, talking yourselves in your businesses but also talking with lots of executives his these leaders he had a lot on his plate just to be able to to, to do the operational things and hire the right people and often in those early early days the to not have those resources, to be able to execute on some of the elements of the strategy, in this case, culture and leadership. Mm -hmm. And so the work that we did with him is to come alongside, my team and I came alongside him and I call it taking his head over the table and dumping it out and then making sense of it Mm -hmm. and then filling in the gaps because there's always gaps and doing what in his organization what he wasn't going to be able to do by his own devices or the devices or the resources that he had at that time in the business. Mm -hmm. And so, and so we created a culture and leadership framework for the entire organization while simultaneously supporting him with one-on-one coaching in terms of the execution and the, and the rollout of that, uh, supporting his senior leadership team so that they they get over their stuff that they have as they came in from other organizations, and so that at the end of the day, we were all in agreement. They were all in agreement, clear, lockstep agreement of what were what they were creating, and and the and their way forward. And we were those we, we were the we were the resource that enabled them to be able to do that. And and I am so proud to say that they are. Um, on the verge of going global, they're about a two hundred and fifty million dollar company um, today, and and just I, I just I love their mission and their passion and 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 their commitment to their values that that we just he had it in his brain he had it in his heart we he just didn't have the wherewithal with his resources to be able to execute it or the expertise and so. To be able to draw out that brilliance, here's the name of our business again, mm. and and to make it make it solid, concrete, and, and actionable, and then ultimately sustainable, um, just a massive, just source of pride and success. Um, but so that's that's an example of of a, of a large project with a client mm. where we where all of our elements came in. We we did executive coaching we did team alignment, and then we also delivered our culture and leadership
2: framework uh, for them. Wow. It sounds absolutely awesome, Jeff. And the way you describe it, and as you're describing it, for for those listening on the podcast, they won't see it, but your face literally lit up as you were describing that. You know, the, the value of shining a light and a mirror back to an executive team and a leadership team that want to achieve so much, but ultimately every day, are Possibly stuck in the weeds themselves and can't see the thirty thousand foot view, which is what, by the sounds of it, you're enabling them to do, and you're, you know, reflecting back to, to them exactly what they want to achieve. But also the way you describe that of, you know, that kind of brain dump where they put all the thoughts and ideas down, and then you kind of order them and play it back to them as a playbook, and you know, through various different or- organisational uh, avenues. It sounds awesome. And and the way you describe it, as I say, your face absolutely lit up and told that story itself. Mm, Thank you. Thanks for reflecting that. And
1: I just want to emphasize the credit begins with that CEO. So we brought our gifts. There's no doubt we brought unique gifts. But without him and his vision and his commitment and then extending to his senior team, none of this would happen. None of it would happen. And so I, I just, I can't say enough. And if anybody connects with me offline, we did a case study, happy to share that with about this particular client where they're named. Um, yeah. It's not a confidential thing, but if you're interested, just contact me and I can share the, the case study of, of this particular client.
0: Look, I guess in doing that, Jeff, um, look, it's, it's clear. And Adam's highlighted it just kind of how that made you feel and kind of that yeah almost that self um I don't know how to put it but like just the fact that you're, you're clearly very proud of that achievement how did you feel kind of at the time going through that was that kind of almost a realization of like right, this is is really turned into something now from kind of 2011 when you started out to having that success success story um what has you know how have you changed in that period and, and in terms of looking back what, what what was kind of going through your head at that time with all of that excitement
1: yeah so again i'll be uh, i'm i'm going to be always honest with you guys with every question but my confidence i i was presented with this opportunity uh, through the, it came through the magic of linkedin this connection with the ceo um he came with a with a need and and, and it quickly shaped up to what it what it was going to be. Mm-hmm. But I think the result of this engagement revealed gifts in me and my team that I didn't even realize I had. And Adam, you mentioned before imposter syndrome. What are the elements of imposter syndrome is you think, well, everybody can do that. Anybody can do that. And I stand in line with those that 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 say that at times. But one of the things that it's revealed about a gift that I have and my team has, is this ability to listen and to translate and to turn something that unto itself is kind of just a a big goulash of lots of stuff and to turn it into this really elegant message that, that looks beautiful to use the food metaphor that looks beautiful on the plate and that Mm. people want to eat. Um, So that was the outcome. And so the, I was confident that I could serve this client and the, and the solution quickly took shape and, and knew that we could do it, but the outcome was, while we're really gifted in this one particular way um, when it comes to culture and values and leadership,
0: hmm And how, I guess, how have you changed along the way, Jeff? Because I'm just picturing now this kind of the, the brain dump scenario of, look, let's take an empty glass, let's tip that out and then refill it with completely new knowledge and, and ways of doing things. For yourself doing this day in, day out and working with multiple coaches, I'm guessing rather than a complete get reared and, and refill it must be kind of spooning it out and put it putting some back in and a gradual t- change over time but talk us through how yeah how have you changed? what have you learned about yourself during this kind of quite long journey now that you've been on doing doing this with um yeah but, but both pre-life science space uh, era well, and now kind of with what you're doing now
1: it's a great question james you know i've always been a relationship guy it's, I'm old fashioned in that sense, mm-hmm. um, but I think what, I, what I've what i learned about myself through over the last three to five years is just the power of connection. And I, I use a criteria, I don't, it's not on my website or publish it, but one of my sort of hidden criterias of deciding on which clients to work with is I can foresee, that this person would become a friend. And I'm talking about the CEO. Mm-hmm. It doesn't always play out that way, but there's just a gut feel about a person that you get, yeah, I could have a beer with them, I could go to a barbecue with them, that we could talk about life stuff, that they would that there's the possibility that this person could just be a real friend. And that that speaks to this question that you've asked about what I've learned is is the power in connection that to really sit with a person and connect and listen, ask powerful questions and you know, all that, both of those things are fundamentals in coaching, but, but it really has transcended that to just to be with people and to listen and to ask questions and to set aside agenda about what I think the answer is, or what I think I might want to say here. I think that that's transformed me. That's transformed my marriage, Um, and in my ability just to be with my wife. It's transformed my relationship with my daughters, fourteen and ten. Of this idea of just attending to the person that's in front of them, front of you, um, and and really lean in, uh, and be present. It sounds so simple, and I think there was elements of that in my life uh, pre previous. But I think over the last three to five years, I, I've really learned the power of that.
2: Definitely. You, you, talk about, you talk about the connections. James and I have also talked about this to, to many of our, of our um, interviewees on, on the podcast. And it's really interesting because you come across as such a warm and considered person yourself. It, it, it's in the nature in which you speak, but also the manner in which you, you use your words. And, and you can always hear these things. I can always hear these things and and, and I, I really do identify with that connection piece because we we've experienced it ourselves when we've spoken to different um, interviewees on on the pod and and there is a level of connection that you are now we are now creating with people in this medium but also I wonder how that translates both in person but remotely because it's it's harder than ever to con- connect with people through a, you know, through a 2D media of, of a Teams or a Zoom call, how are you overcoming that and, and how do you do that and how have you done that in the last couple of years? And I have another question which I'll come back to. I wonder how that's overlaid with, you know, this, this um, experience that you've had over the last few years with your own personal health journey because there seem to be so many different components yeah. of that that are all feeding into this great human being that we see in front of us. Wow. There's a lot there, Adam. I know. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> so i you I'll on talk, the
1: spot, uh, me, So I was given an unfair advantage. I'll say that when it came to what's happened over the last two years. So I've been, when I was really just a coach, before my work in the culture and leadership and the life science space really has emerged. And as a coach, I could probably count one, maybe two hands, the number of one-on-one coaching conversations I had. So all that work, starting way back when it was just a hobby, back in 2006, was all over the phone, even pre-Zoom. And there is something powerful about being present with somebody with just your voice and their voice. And so I call it an unfair advantage because I was trained to how to be fully present and connect with just the phone, not even this, not even video like what we have on on Zoom. And so I call it an unfair advantage because when COVID hit in March of 2019 and everything shut down, yeah, we had to work some things out with some clients to shift from in-person to virtual But I thrive in this space. I thrive in this space. And and I think it is a gift to be able to connect as deeply as I'm able to over over Zoom or or Teams or just the phone. I had a call the other day and it was so nice here in the Northeast. It was like a pre-spring day. And I said, I'm just gonna do this audio, this coaching session as CEO of a biotech startup. And I'm gonna sit in our in our porch where it's so warm and beautiful, and I'm gonna do no video, just audio. And and I'll say it was one of the most we've been working together for about a year. In the whole year, we've been working together, powerful coaching where we just were able to connect about what was real and what was relevant for him in a powerful way. So again, just I have, I have this, I have, as I've called it, this unfair advantage because of my training and, my, and, the, and the, the track of my, the track of my professional development or my business's development. Like it. And, and you asked a couple more questions, but I forgot them. So if you want to recast those it, questions. It
2: was, just, it was just the point around, you know, your own personal, personal journey with regards to, your, you know, your health and serving the life science community, but, but bringing that into the overlay really. Yeah, empathy. Bottom line,
1: one word, empathy. Is I have so much more empathy um for, for people wherever they're at. I just I, I have a, a line that I say, I say it with tongue in cheek. I say everybody's got something, you can just see mine, because I live life in a wheelchair. And and so just empathy and make people feel comfortable. I I was because people see folks in a wheelchair and they don't know how to act. All of a sudden they forget. <laughs> and, and just to make the guy at Panera, that's a, a bakery coffee place here in the States, just to make that guy or that lady feel comfortable and at ease. And, and that's become part of my story is just to put people at ease. You know, kids look at me and they whisper and I can hear them ask their mom, why is he in a wheelchair? And I hear him, I'm like, oh, do you wanna know my story? And I'll tell them in, you know, 20 seconds what my story is, just to put that kid at ease. Massively, uh, massively
0: agree with so much of that, Jeff, because it's, you know, kind of that just audio event. Um, again, look, we've had the emergence of Clubhouse um, sort of recently, and it just shows how that has, has kicked off. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's not always what you say, what you do. It's how you make people feel, Um And often, you know, the fact that we have all been driven online, the uh, openness to creating new connections has just expanded exponentially. I know... In the early days of the podcast, it was me reaching out to loads of people, and kind of like like yourself, I'd look at people's profiles, and I'm like, oh, I like the look of that. You know, it's they're a CEO, but they also have listed on there that they coach um, the local under sevens soccer team, or something like that, or you know, they've they've done a post, and it's their wife and kids having a you know good Thanksgiving, and those sort of things stand out to me. And I think could I, as you say, could I connect with that person? Could I go for a beer with that person? um, et cetera, et cetera. And, you know, I since have been for a beer and and met Adam's, uh, wife in, 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 person. Um, and that's just where it all comes about. I mean, things are a little bit different now. I get a heck of a lot of people approaching me about the podcast. Um, so somewhat sometimes has to get a little bit more selective, but it's just, as you say, you kind of, you want to connect with people who are like-minded share your values. And, um, I think the, the fact that you're doing that as a business, um, I guess speaks volumes is probably why you've had a smile on your face for most of this uh, podcast, uh, particularly when you're talking about what you do.
2: Mm. Thanks.
0: Um, and look, I guess with that in mind, what are the, the plans for you moving forward? And Jeff, you know, brilliance within clearly when you started, it was yourself. It was a hobby, Um, (laughs) very much a lifestyle business. What does the future look uh, like for for you uh, in terms of staff numbers, offices, virtual, remote, whatever it may be?
1: So I I consider this business will remain a lifestyle business. Um, So. I have so my, I mentioned my daughters 14 and 10. My mm-hmm. water my wife is a very busy high school math teacher. Um, I love being home in the morning to get my daughters off to school. I love to make sure the house is clean. so when my wife comes home, she doesn't have to worry about it. Um, so I fully expect this to be the small boutique company for the foreseeable future. Now, come, a number of years from now that, that my view on that, but my view on that may, may change. And so we, we, we're, a, we're a flexible team. So we have consultants and other coaches and we have back office support, mm. but, but we flex and we shrink as the business needs, as the business needs, uh, as the business needs uh, dictate. And I, I really don't expect that, that to change. I love being the main service provider of the business.
0: I like that. It, it just says a lot about yourself, Jeff. You know who you are. You know what you like. You're not kind of apologetic about the fact that you're, you're planning to take over the world with a huge coaching business or anything like that. And that's that's why when you and I first connected, I was like, look, perfect. You know, I don't want to be the biggest recruitment company out there. I just want to have kind of a, a reasonable size business, but doing things right with people, as I say, people I like, people I you know, could perhaps go for a beer with. Um, and I heard that you dropped um, the, the the fact that your wife is a, a high school te- teacher, I and mean, in terms of connection, I know that Adam, his wife is also a teacher. Adam, have you cleaned the house today though?
2: Oh gosh, I've unloaded the dishwasher, I've loaded it again. <laughs> what can I say? It's kind of That's the life new. of working from home, isn't it? You know, there's me in the bottom of my garden in my garden office. And uh, I know what it feels like to live and be married to a teacher. They're always on, aren't they? You know, they're more on than probably you and I are, Jeff. Um, in the fact that my wife is always planning and thinking about her next lesson. She's always looking for an opportunity for a lesson, pull something in from the from the from the news from the news feeds that uh, are coming through all the time that she can bring into her her lessons. And and she's a geography teacher.
1: Yeah, yeah, totally agree. Yeah. I I don't hold a candle to what my wife does. She's amazing. Excellent stuff.
0: Well, look, Jeff, it's been great speaking to you so far, but look, before we wrap up the show uh, and just as uh, they do on the High Performance Podcast, I know that Adam and I are both a fan of, we always end up with a quick fire question round. So I'll kick us off um, with with that. And then look, you are a, a coach, but if you were to coach your younger self, what would be the one piece of advice that you would give to your younger self?
1: Mm, don't be afraid. like
2: okay. it. What, what a nugget. What uh, a nugget. Are there any specific books um, or resources that you use um, that you could recommend to our listeners? Mm, I love stories of, um,
1: of, as a man, of masculine initiation and going through the gauntlet. So anytime I have an opportunity to read those books, because I'm always, I'm in the process of becoming, that's the word I use for that. And so a couple books that folks might be interested in, if you're interested in that topic uh, is called Tender Bar, Uh, recently was released as a movie on Amazon Prime as well. And I'm reading right now, Andre Agassi's book called Open. And that's uh, both are two stories. One's a memoir and one's a, an autobiography. Um, so those are those are two books that that are on my on my table right now. Awesome. Thank
0: Fantastic. you for sharing stuff. And look, I, I guess you said that you're, you're flexible in terms of um, depending on the, the how business is going and the demands at any particular time. But look, rather than fit for your own business, what would you say are the top three qualities that? the business leaders that you're dealing with should be valuing most when building their teams and do, and do they align with yours as well to chuck that in there?
1: Top three characteristics for growing their business. Um, empathy. I mentioned that. Well, I'll use words. So empathy and courage. Uh, those are definitely, I would say in the, in the, in the top, in, in the top two and what would be my third? Um Trust. Okay. Cool. Empathy, courage, and trust. Those would be the three characteristics. And we could do a whole podcast just in <laughs> those three words. <laughs> we themselves. definitely
2: could. We definitely could. You've talked about your family. You've talked about your wife extensively, and she sounds like an amazing woman as well. But dare I ask, is there anything outside that you enjoy doing outside of work apart from spending time with your lovely family?
1: I'll Besides spending time with my family, um, I was just going to talk. Talk about my my eighth grade daughter. Uh, She she's a basketball player. Twelve months out of the year, I love driving her to tournaments and and games. Just you know, just letting her control the radio and uh, those brief little those brief little talks. Um, I I love getting together over coffee with those like minded people that have zero to do with business. Yeah. um you know to go to the Starbucks or the Panera or the diner we have lots of diners here in the in New Jersey so yeah I love to just just to have lunch love to go out to eat um and just just spend time over a meal or a, or a good hot beverage with somebody I like it I like
0: it and look you are a coach uh you are a CEO yourself but you're also helping life science CEOs to create high performing teams. Um, but look, to end the show, what would you list as your number one golden rule for both life and business in terms of creating that balance?
1: It's not about me.
0: Sure. That,
1: that, that's one of my core values uh, that I got from that mentor that I mentioned before, Dom Dominic. Um, it's It's not about
2: me. That's that I would say that's the number one. It's amazing. amazing. It's amazing that you make that point because I I often say to my kids, my teenage kids, don't make the story about you. Mm. It's about the story and having a story, but don't make the story about you. And that's the same sort of principle that you're describing, isn't it, Jeff? I think.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I love that.
0: Excellent. Well, uh, Jeff, it's been an absolute pleasure hearing about your Story of personal and professional growth here. Um, look for anyone that wants to reach out to yourself. I know we've talked about connections. Is LinkedIn the best place to get you? Your website, just um give our audience a quick overview of of where we can dial in, or you know, how how do we get hold of you?
1: Yeah, thanks. So brilliance within coaching.com is a great place for you to learn about what we do and then. LinkedIn is is just a close second. Um, my handle on on LinkedIn is brilliant coach. I'm sure we can, you know, you'll get put this all in the show notes. But mm. so those are two great places um, to to find more about me, my story, and uh, for us to connect. Fantastic stuff.
0: Well, look, Jeff, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show. As I said, thank you very much for being a part of the Huxley Morton podcast. Thank
1: you guys.